The pair you are about to hear are not professionals. Their opinions and beliefs are not that. They are just two idiots that are spitting nonsense. Hello, we are back. We're back. <laughs> um, so, uh, Zach, how have you been? All right. I've been decently good. I'm finishing. I just finished finals today, which is great. I have one left. That puts a weight off my chest. Uh, but, like, other than that, I mean, the week's been crunch time. But now I'm done. Yay. I don't sound excited, but I'm just tired because I watched a bad movie today. And we recorded something <laughs> for it. But... Oh, no. Yeah, well, I'm sorry it, for uh, your loss of time, really. Yeah, if you uh, – we have a spooting spoilers – not spooting spoilers. Jeez, that's not what it is. Trash talk coming this Saturday? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, this Saturday. Saturday, it's over a new-ish film. February, so new. Yeah. Called Bliss. Uh, just look out for it. The movie is crap. I felt drained after watching. It's like the worst. It's like <laughs> <laughs> I feel different. <laughs> you know, yeah, it makes you feel really, really different. But a good movie I watched. I think it was God two days ago, three days ago. I watched Demon Slayer movie. I watched the Mugen Train. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I It was the first film I saw back in theaters after like a same, year of same. Islands. It had been yeah. almost a year for me because, like, I saw Tenet, which was, like, one of those later movies, you know what I mean, in COVID. Yeah. And I went and saw that in the theaters. Going back was great. Actually watching a film in that theater was really good. I saw the dub version because I felt it would just be easier on Katie and me um, just watching it that way. And plus, she's just never seen it, so I just felt it would be easier. Right. Um, but, no, watching it was great. I loved the animation, and I loved the story. Sad for Ryoku. We go, got, 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 got. Ren Goku. Ren Goku. There we go. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Bliss is fucking my brain right now. Um, pretty much. Pretty but much. yeah, like uh, I've I've just been um, working on finals too. It's crunch time. Uh, my my la- last finals due on the sixteenth, so that probably means I'll do it tomorrow or the day after. <laughs> it's pretty much just two pages long, like of writing, really. Yeah, Katie's got her graduation this Friday, which, no, it's not Friday. Yeah, this Friday, which is great. Um, That's exciting. That'll be fun. We, I actually got her into a video game <laughs> last night uh, because she was interested in how, and she, saw, she thought it would be fun to play. We, we played 76 together, Fallout 76 together. Uh, and <clears throat> she seems like she's enjoying it. She likes the base building aspect of it. Uh, where she can build her own path. We're ma- we're making her a treehouse. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's coming together nicely. But yeah, she likes the base building aspect of it, and she understands the controls. Um, she thinks they're a lot better than like when I tried to teach her how to play Fallout Four. She wasn't really all for that one. Right. Which I get. It, it depends on who who's playing the game and what what's for them. So, but it's cool that I at least she has an interest in playing a game that I play and that we can actually do it together. Yeah, um, I know. I'm trying to get Brian into playing games. I think he would do great playing Stardew. Like, yeah. I think he would have a really fun time playing Stardew Valley, honestly. And I want you guys to play Stardew too, because like I'll start a whole world over and do Stardew with you guys. Like, it's so much fun. Uh, 
and all the that doing all the secrets and the side quests and stuff like oh yeah totally i'm trying to think of what else has happened like overall, oh we gotta play we gotta play minecraft this summer i know they're they aren't releasing the whole claves and clips update but they're releasing enough of it there'll be new stuff that we can use right um, so that'd be fun to play around with and see. I know they aren't really updating because I know they said that the mountains, like we we covered over this a while ago, not too long ago actually, about like them delaying half of the stuff because of yeah, that was only a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it was it was because of how how complex it is. They're basically rebuilding the entire world generation from the ground up. Like I said, I'm okay with how long, like an extra six months. You know what I mean? Like that's not a, that's nothing to me. You know what I mean? Like time, time goes by like water. You know what I mean? Like just uh, <laughs> for real. Like at the older you get, like I swear it. Like the the shorter the year gets. Like and like yeah. everything just really blurs together. It's weird. It's very weird experience. Definitely. Yeah, but like. Uh, there, it's yeah, building it from the ground up. But I understand that they just don't want to have a debacle like uh, Cyberpunk Top. Um, that is basically what I will use. F- what everybody should probably use from now on as like a game being released too early. Right. Uh, that's a very good example for modern times. Uh, and yeah, but like other than that, there hasn't been real much. But in nerd news, there has been a fair bit of stuff that has happened. Yes, um, yes. Yeah. We love nerd news here. Yeah, the but the first part is not really the, the best. The best news. Um, yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> we're we're gonna start off on not the best best news. You know, uh, if you guys know me, you know that I love Seth Rogen. That's like just yes. a big fact about me. I love like Pineapple Express. You know what I mean? Like I I love stuff that he's involved in in general, even if he produces it. You know what I mean? He like Invincible. Good. You know, he's very smart. He knows how to write stuff. He knows how to direct. He knows what he's doing in the film industry mm-hmm. and knows how to appease to the audience he wants to appease to. But he had a lot. He has a longtime friend and coworker that he works with, of course, which was James Franco, his duo buddy. Oh. You know what I mean? From Pineapple um, Express. And uh, yeah, what, what was another one? The interview and yeah. uh, uh, uh What's another one? <laughs> they were pausing on a few, but he's been. They've been together working on. Oh, this is the end. Was another one. Yeah, this is the um, end. Like so there's a bunch worked, of them where they did it together. Yeah, they've like, worked together for a while, and the thing is about that is since that the '90s, a, since Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, they were best friends essentially for a bit, but then some stuff has happened with James Franco, of course, where he has been accused accusations of sexually inappropriate behavior, and it's really flushed out from it's there it, it's sad like there there's multiple allegations made against him in 2014 and again in 2018 altogether i counted there's like six or seven mm-hmm. uh different accusations of sexual misconduct against him and you know like one is like one thing but like when there's like droves of girls like in the way that bill cosby had you know what i mean like coming forward like not bill cosby levels you know what i mean because he had been doing that for years and years and years and he was like fucking 70 years old you know what i mean like and that's just a long life of uh abusing people pretty much but uh this is oh no go ahead yeah, this was leading into that in the sense I heard a few things about this, but not really looked into it. Yeah, no, I heard that his name was on Jeffrey Epstein's island list. Oh, uh, uh, they. This is like this has been coming up, like it's it's catching up to him now. 
which uh, it makes it looks like it makes sense. Looking at him and how he acts, he's very method, and I could see him getting into roles very clearly, too much into roles, and I could see him abusing his power as one Hollywood has that effect on people where it just gives them too much power and fame and the money to be able to back that and uh, basically do whatever they want. Um, <clears throat> he basically fell into that kind of, I wouldn't, I don't know if it's from past behavior that it's like this because it's, it, or it's just something he developed. That it just yeah. Developed yeah. Him. So it's at uh, the first allegation in 2014 when he was accused of propositioning a 17 year old girl on Instagram, Franco, yeah. who was at the time 35 years old, addressed the situation on live with Kelly and Michael and said, claiming it was a case of bad judgment, quote unquote, bad judgment. That's the wording that he used. I'm like, that's the most PC way to say, yeah, I messed around with this 17 year old. But uh, now that I've admitted that y'all are going to leave me alone. Yeah, yeah, I've admitted it, and and I have enough power that I can get away with it. Essentially, it, it's the first, it's the first crack, and then eventually it just spiraled from there. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and Rogan in 2018 said he would continue working with James Franco, but the stance has definitely changed. And he said, "I would never cover or conceal the actions of someone doing it or knowingly put someone in a situation where they were around someone like that." I also look back to that interview in 2018 where I comment that I would keep working with James and the truth is that I have not and do not plan to to right now. He added noting that at the end of his professional relationship with Franco was not a coincidence as many things, not a coincidence, quote unquote, and many things, quote unquote, had changed in uh, regards to their personal dynamic with, an, with another. So um, they just grew apart as friends, Basically, you know what I mean? Like, life wasn't all about smoking weed anymore. Life. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I take Rogan as, Seth Rogan is more of a family man. You know what I mean? Whereas I think, well, like, James Franco is like a serial bachelor. He, <laughs> he, he feels, he feels very art house. Like, really into that, that, that take the, be very shocked about what you do and, and, and be very method. And, and if you're going to act, act with your heart, act with everything you got and don't try to let up like, uh, stuff like that. Um, yeah. The last like, movie like that said, they starred in with probably, each other was, uh, the disaster artists, by the way. Yes. That was the last thing. And that was 2017. Yeah. Um, and, but like, even so it's, uh, like I said, it's the idea that maybe it's just the fame that got to him, and then eventually he felt like he had just had this power and ability to just get away with it, and it happens. I, I, and it's sad to see someone where I enjoyed his films and stuff like that. Right. Uh, like, uh, I don't want to say he's an idol, but like he's definitely an icon that fills up space in my mind. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, he's done. He's done things that actually that like I'll recognize and right and stuff. That, that will stick with me uh but like even so it doesn't condone <laughs> the actions that he's done right um so yeah yeah we're gonna start off pretty pretty sinister to that this week <laughs> i think that's really the only sinister thing that we uh have this week honestly pretty i think much. everything else is like on the up and up from here guys so everything else is on the up and up like a lot of things really kind of like they're just like really looking good for like future stuff yeah, future of movies, the future of games, like everything's just looking really good this future year. Future of a new book. The the only thing that isn't looking good this year is the gas prices. <laughs> that we can agree on. They're they're coming. They're coming, yeah. and they're gonna take all our all our money and funds. 
Yes. But it's anyway, be fun. Uh, we're going to hop right in here with something that I don't normally talk about, but I am an avid reader and I thought that I'd include a book that uh, mixes the two genres uh, in my own personal way. So, like, um, you know, we're big into animation here uh, on the Spitting Nonsense podcast, and yep. I'm an avid reader, so I found a book essentially about uh, the animation and game development uh, industry. Uh, but there's this guy named Jason Schreier, and um, he has uh, written a book called uh, Press Reset, and it investigates the high human cost of game development. Yeah. Not, so. Yeah, you can go into it, but I was just going to make a small little note about game development and how yeah, much go ahead. time and effort it takes. Go ahead. Because it takes time and effort to, and a lot of like patience to bake video games. And I don't think a lot of consumers understand that. I still see people say, okay, well, why doesn't it come out now? Why doesn't it come out? Uh, why is it not released? Why are you delaying it three, four, or five times? Well, because sometimes you have to to make give it the quality and the the the, the stuff that you do. Because games like the games take time and take effort. It's not like you can make these in like a few days. Well, you could, but they're they're gonna be like small projects or be buggy as fuck. Um, yeah, it's it, but like I'm glad somebody's like something's at least coming out to uh, put shed light on how the game development industry has kind of like I I, into- I genuinely want to read this book. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's something that uh it, it it already has great reviews like everybody says uh it's uh, this one right here says it's an entertaining, educational and breezy. I highly recommend anyone with a vested interest in a healthier video game industry. Uh you know, which is something that we're really about here cuz you know we're against crunch culture and uh we've said it once we've said it a thousand times you know what i mean um but yeah the the book goes uh into a bunch of like big name uh like game studios and like talks about them stuff like ea you know and uh like their their qa quality assurance uh application events and stuff like that and yeah, one video game it talks about apparently very notably is by one of my favorite video game of all time, Bioshock Infinite, because that game went through fucking development hell. If you look at the development of the game, it's like they cr- they time crunched for this game. They made people make they made the developers create the some stuff for the game that wasn't even implemented, and like they put so much work. And I mean, it sh- it shows that the, the game shows for me. It's it became my favorite game of all time, and it and some people uh, see it as either a great iteration of the Bioshock series or uh, a bad indentation of what the third game could have been, but uh, could have been in a different way. But like, it also shows because after this game came out, there was a lot of dissolvement at the company irrational games because of the development behind this game and how time crunching and how the management basically forced their developers to work very long hours to finish this game and some points and stuff like that. And that led to the dissolvement of irrational games. Um, 
which uh yeah so and it looks like <laughs> this game you know what it was irrational they said it in the title you know what i mean like <laughs> straight off the bat bro uh um it def- but it, i'm glad at least he's talking about certain aspects of that where even like games like that successful that game was very successful but like even so the company that made it dissolved because of just bad management and how the developers were treated um yeah and it and it sheds light on like the idea of how could you how can we better the video game industry not just for like consumers but also for the people creating them how can you make the time management better uh without like uh restraining the quality of the video game or something like that it and i feel like we're getting into a new renaissance era of video games where they're taking more more put more love into them not just with like the design of it but like the people making it you're 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 basically respecting them as a human being right um yeah 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 like uh like i said it goes into uh, just crunch culture and crunch out hours in general um but yeah that that's all i really wanted to touch on because uh it's such a uh important thing to talk about especially now as uh, the video game industry is rapidly expanding. Exactly. And animation and is rapidly expanding. Animation is rapidly expanding, too. Like, yeah, I'm going into that, into that industry and stuff like that, and I'm, I'm really excited, but, like, also knowing it, it's booming now because we got so many different things in animation coming out. And yeah, man. It, not just, like, from kids' animation, which you really started with that, but adult animation, which I've been, I, I love. Adult animation is where f- I feel like animation gets the most freedom. Um, yeah. Most yeah, definitely. Um, like, <laughs> there's ratings on everything else. Yeah, exactly. But, like, uh, I think that is a good way. I don't know how a good segue. We're going to move on to, like, the actual nerd news and stuff that we have. Uh, starting, of course, with Marvel. Um, and we're going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is uh, gonna is, is not coming out for a, a little bit. But one of the actors, uh, uh, Dave Bautista, more specifically, thinks Drax's run in the MCU will end after this film. Yeah. Uh, which I mean, un- I'm which not surprised. He's, he's kind of a shallow character. Yeah, but I can understand it. I mean, like, the, with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 being director James Gunn's final film in the franchise, it, it makes sense. That's a big thing to me. It makes sense that he's going to retire some of the characters. Um, and it's going to be an interesting way to see what ends up happening with these wonderful characters of the MCU. Because to me, I felt like the Guardians Galaxy, that te- team was very flushed out and very well written and was a new. Uh, just a new pace for the MCU because it was like an experiment for them to do that. Comedic? A comedic experience too. But like, it wasn't, it was it was an experiment because they didn't know if people would gel with it or not because it's characters they don't really recognize. Um, right. Yeah, but I'm, I'm glad that it actually worked out because it became kind of my favorite film of the MCU. But during a recent interview with Digital Spy, Dave Bautista shared his thoughts on the future of Drax, and he believes that his story will come to an end after Volume 3. He talked about the film, and he said, I don't know what the script of the third film is, to be honest with you. There was a script years ago that obviously is going to have to change because the whole direction of the MCU has obviously changed. 
Uh, he also said there were talks for a while about a Drax and Mantis film, which would have been, I, I don't know, that would have been interesting to see. It was really because it was James Gunn's idea. He really wanted to do a Drax and Mantis film. He laid it out to me. I thought it was such a brilliant idea, but I haven't heard any follow-up from the studio. I don't think they're very interested or it doesn't fit in the way they have things mapped out. Uh, but other than that, no. I mean, as far as my obligations, I've got Guardians 3, and that's probably going to be the end of Drax, which I can understand. He's been around since the 2014 from the beginning uh, through all of the... Uh, well, not all of them, but Guardians 2, Infinity War, Endgame. <clears throat> I think he... No, he didn't appear. He might appear in uh, uh, Thor Love and Thunder, maybe. Um, but we'll Interesting, see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Drax is, is, is a unique character. I, 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 I think he... But I do think he's coming to an end. Uh, but yeah... Guardians Galaxy Volume Three will be released in theaters May fifth, twenty twenty three, and that so that's pretty far off from like two years from here. Um, it's probably going to go into production at the end of the year, maybe. Um, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, so everything's uh, looking on the up and up out here, anyway. Pretty much, but also since we're still in Marvel, we're talking about Moon Knight since a new photo has released for it, uh, which features Ethan Hawke's character. Is that um, Jesus? What? <laughs> What'd you say? Ethan Hawke's character. Oh, I said, yeah. "Is that?" I looked at the picture and I said, "Is that Jesus in a track? Oh, yeah. In a tracksuit is what I was oh, gonna yeah. say." Yeah. Uh, uh, he's playing the main villain. Uh, from what it looks, from he's dressed in a brown tweed suit slash blazer with a walking cane in his hand. Uh, the cane is not visible in the picture. The actor was challenging his mad scientist look with his long grayish let out hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Leto hair, if you really want to go that way. Um, <laughs> he hasn't been confirmed who Hawk is playing, but there's a good chance he could be playing Bushman, a former mercenary who is Moon Knight's oldest and most, for, most formidable nemesis. There are other theories, of course, though. Fans think he could be playing Dracula, which would also tie him into the upcoming Blade film. Um, and then there's a photo that I'm going to attach in the Discord, or you can look it up yourself. Oscar Isaac, of course, Dracula, stars. more like yeah. Wackula. <laughs> you really get to say that. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, hey, you, you got the, you had to say the Greg Whittle thing. I had to say that. Oh, oh man, that I know. I that was the first thing I thought when I saw his name. You yeah. had to say it. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Oscar Isaac stars in the series and is taking the role of Mark Spector, a character who has multiple different alter egos, including millionaire Stephen Grant. And a cab driver, Jake Lockley. These alter egos may or may not be separate alternate personalities, and the same may be true for Khonshu, an Egyptian deity who is either guiding Spectre through his costume adventures or a figment of Spectre's imagination. Most recently, the character was uh, a consultant who dresses in all white and goes by the name Mr. Knight. Moon Knight uh, was created by Doug Malenick and Don Perlin and appeared in 1975. Uh, Jeremy Slater and Bay DeMeo writing the series. Uh, Jeremy Slater helped write Umbrella Academy, and Bo DeMeo wrote the originals and The Witcher. Um, Mohamed Diab, Justin Benson, and Aaron Morheed are directing. Um, and I'm pretty sure this is going to be a series. Moon Knight? 
I might be wrong on that. Um, but I would have to confirm that. And then right. finally, with our Marvel esque, it's Marvel Sony news basically. We got the second Venom film, a trailer dropped for it. It looks crazy. Um, actually, in my opinion, I think it looks better than the first one. Yeah, I. Uh, they have more money now. Yeah, they had a lot more money, but like even so, it shows. And I like the 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 writing is there. It felt like the 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 tone felt right. I like it. it it's like right. It, I like Venom's thinking, like very yeah. much so. It it really feels like Eddie and Venom are finally like getting seeing eye to eye <laughs> when yeah. he makes the pancakes. <laughs> the big the breakfast. Pancakes. The pancake breakfast pancake breakfast which looks like just like he stacked everything on top and then he wants to eat mrs chen at the end mm-hmm. he went he was like should i eat mrs chen and out loud eddie goes do not eat mrs chen and mrs chen's like what what oh nothing uh sony pictures has, has released the trailer for the up-and-coming marvel f- film uh venom let there be carnage uh, appropriately titled, of course. Uh, it all offers us a look at the life of Tom, Todd, Tom, geez, Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock is like uh, is like light since he's living with a symbiote uh, that attached itself to him. Venom likes to make him breakfast. Uh, the trailer also offers us the first look at Woody, Woody Harrelson's. That stupid carnage. fucking Eminem song is stuck in my head right now, and I hate it so much. Mm. <laughs> I like that they changed his hair from curly to more straight line. It felt uh, the curly hair felt off in my opinion, but I think they really fixed it. Andy Circus is apparently directing the film. Mm, um, gotta love him. Yeah. Also in the trailer, we see insane serial killer Cletus Cassidy uh, set to be executed by lethal injection in prison, but instead of killing him, it awakens the symbiote living inside of him and transforms him into Carnage, uh, which uh, Carnage is basically like a rage. Pretty much, it's it's a rage-induced venom that's red and uh, scary and terrifying and mm-hmm. acts like a monster. Uh, which also okay, so the film also stars Michelle Williams as Anne Wang and Naomi Harris, who is reportedly playing the villain Shriek, who is Carnage Carnage's love interest and accomplice. Uh, the film is set to release September twenty fourth, twenty twenty one, and you can check out the trailer now. Uh, I think it looks. Cool. I like that they have a bigger budget than they do now because Venom was kind of like a, another hit or miss, which uh, the plot was meh, but like even so, people still went to go and see it and it got a lot of money. So right. <clears throat> so <laughs> um, I think this is gonna be another success um, because Carnage was originally supposed to be uh, debuted. And Sam Raimi's fourth Spider-Man, but that got canceled after the third one. <laughs> so it was the, it was the dancing scene that did it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop thinking about it. It haunts me at night. Oh man, yeah, no, I get that. I, I can I can still see the vivid image in my head of it. Of <laughs> <laughs> him like doing the hustle, or like fucking uh, like some boogie night shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That you. dancing, like, oh. it was very cringe. Like I do, I to this to this day, <laughs> to this day, dude. Like I do not understand why they did that to him. Why do why do movies in threes? Why do the third one sometimes always have to be a shit? He like, said they, sometimes they, always have to be shit. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes always. 
Well, you got to think about it because you got Spider-Man three, you have Back to the Future three, you have. Uh, Back to the Jurassic Future Park. one was questionable, bro. What? Back to the Future one. That 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 first one, questionable as fuck. He went back, tried to fuck his mom. What the fuck was that? Yes. But still, you you have to agree that the Wild West one, the third one, is just okay. We're just gonna send them this and let them do it, and it still made no. It was it. <clears throat> It felt like the plot was very lacking. Jurassic Park 3, I'm going over it. It's Toy Story 3. Uh, was Toy Story 3 get... bad? What? Toy... I wouldn't say it was bad, but I wouldn't say it was as good as the first two. Um, it, it's just in the sense that if something comes in freeze, the third one will be either the worst, or it, it's just going to be kind of average. Um, but there has, like, Last Stand. There we go. <laughs> X-Men Last Stand. Another one. Um, <laughs> yeah, our favorite. Uh, Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix. Dark, uh, okay. That was, like, okay, number 47. Uh, let's just let's just move from Marvel <laughs> now in, in, the, in the DC. As DC's yeah. pushing uh, to uh, create a uh, black Superman movie. Um, yeah, which is pretty pretty exciting. Because it's the first time that that's ever been portrayed like that, on screen. I mean, yeah, no, that it's gonna be it's gonna be unique. But they're looking for the director. Yep. I know they have looking the for a, they're they're looking for a black director, uh, an actor to front the Superman movie, which is uh, pretty awesome, all inclusive. You know what I mean? Obviously, you know somebody out there is gonna be mad that I mentioned this. You know what I mean? Because they're saying specifically black, like as if a white person couldn't do it better. You know what I mean? But um, it's it's not about that. Obviously, there's gonna be plenty of white people on the on the staff. You know what I mean? It's not like they're only hiring black people. They just really, wanted a black director. Yeah, I'm really thinking as if they're gonna go an original story or they're gonna take from the comics because there is black Superman. There is black Superman in the comics. Right, I've, right. There is one that is very no most notable. He came out like I think 2007. Mm -hmm. His name is Cal Calvin Ellis. He's from another dimension. His, his Kryptonian name is Kal El, also known as Superman, and he's also president of the United States. Interesting. Um, yeah, on his Earth, he became Superman. In addition to being the president, it is likely he's native to uh, Valtho. Oh, Jesus, due to the reference of Valtho, he operates from the White House, where Brainiac serves as his personal oh. computer. And even covers for him while he does his duties as like I, there's a story here that could work, and they've already kind of set up like Superman, but he's not the only black Superman that's out there. There's also Steel, although he's made of metal, and they kind of did a film with him in the sh past with Shaq. <laughs> Steel, so, yeah, Steel. That's another super. That's another black Superman. It's it's I like. It's I like, but I just think if they're gonna do this, I think that they shouldn't just take Clark Kent and make him black. And well, no, him. no. Obviously, there's gonna have to be some sort of different story. You know what I mean? Like the chances of there being a black kid living on a farm. You know what I mean? Out in the middle of fucking wherever, Kansas. You know. Kansas. Yeah. Um. I I want to see what they do with this. I just I, if they're gonna do an original story, I, I hope they do it justice. If they do take from the comics, that's fine too. I just hope that they stay with the source material. Um, yeah, uh, but I see this working out if they pull the right cards. Um, 
and definitely being a good film. Yeah. Um, um I just had some uh underneath this I just had some uh Yeah, I see. DC movie uh updates or whatever, just dates in general. The Suicide Squad's going to be out August 6, 2021. Uh the Peacemaker TV series is currently in development. Uh, the Batman's going to be out March 4th, 2022, and the Gotham PD series is in development, and Black Adam's out July 29th, 2022. I yeah, just wanted to... Uh... Recently, Michael B. Jordan apparently downplayed rumors that he was going to wear the blue suit and red cape. <laughs> really? Yeah, that, I mean, it'd be, I think he would do a good justice to it. What if Anthony Mackie took Superman, so he's also Captain America and Superman? <laughs> I mean, they could do it. He has a popular yeah. enough face, you know what I mean? <clears throat> but uh, speaking of popular faces and, uh, you know, superheroes, man, Sebastian Stan, he is featuring in a uh, Hulu comedy. Like, it doesn't say whether it's a series or a movie. I think it's a movie, though. Uh, a, where he plays Tommy Lee and Lily James plays Pamela Anderson, and they look so fucking similar. Like, I literally was scrolling across the other day when I found this, uh, uh, and I was just like, oh my god, look at this old-ass picture of Tommy Lee, and I look closer, and I'm like, that's not Tommy Lee, and I fucking read the description. Sebastian Stan had, like, posted it, and, like, it, it's gonna, it's gonna be awesome, honestly. Uh, but anyway, uh, Sebastian Stan and Lily James look unca as uh, uncanny as Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson in the first images for the Hulu comedy Pam and Tommy. The TV series is focused on the real-life story of Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee's sex tape. According to Variety, the comedy also includes Seth Rogen as Rand Gauthier, uh, the man who stole and sold the sex tape, Nick Offerman, Taylor Schilling, Andrew Dice Clay, and more to round out the cast. Uh, Rogan posted the first images of the main trio on his personal Twitter account, and they need to be seen to be believed. Stan, fresh off his stint as Bucky Barnes in Disney Plus Falcon the Winter Soldier, has shed some muscles and put on tattoos to become the musician Tommy Lee, and Lily James is a spitting image of Pamela Anderson. Uh, Rogan, who is also dressed in character, joked, my co-stars Sebastian and Lily are a lot cooler than I am. Neither Anderson nor Lee is involved in Hulu's comedy series. It's a series. In fact, Hulu is working on a few other projects about real people, uh, including boxer Mike Tyson and a project, uh, a project the real Tyson is called Tone Deaf. <laughs> huh. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see about that. But, uh, um, yeah, anyway, yeah. that's that, that's super that's exciting. Broken. I gotta make a preference. Seth Rogen looks entirely different. He has no beard and no glasses. Yeah, I know. Haven't you seen the picture? I, I yeah. shared it on I shared it on Facebook uh, like yesterday or the day before, and uh, somebody said that this is what makes me believe like that uh, Clark Kent was hidden when he wore glasses, and it was a picture <laughs> and it was a picture of fucking Seth Rogen with no beard, a mullet, and like jorts on in the mirror. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was fucking fantastic, like, glorious picture. But, like, it made me laugh out loud because I was like, damn, that's, like, really true. You know what I mean? Like, all he did was shave his beard, and he looks like a completely different person. Like, I would not be able to recognize him if he shaved off all of his hair and his beard. You know what I mean? I saw a post of it. Um, 
when I was when I'm just scrolling. Yeah, if you scroll through my Facebook, you'll find it. And I saw people commenting saying that's not Seth Rogen. People saying, it oh, is. That is. He posted that, and people are still like, no, he he would never do that. But no, that that's actually him. Like, yeah, no, it definitely shows that. Like, it definitely didn't look like him. Like, and I, it made me do a double take, literally. And uh, I'm a big Seth Rogen fan. Like I said, I, I started off this episode saying that I was a big Seth Rogen fan. You know. But uh, moving on from that. Um, <laughs> Fast and the Furious 9's magnet plane stunt was dreamed up by an actual nine-year-old. Yeah, uh, what? <laughs> I watched the trailer for Fast 9, and I, I just, <laughs> I just, I, I, I'm like, what did it, wh- well, it just baffles, it baffles me. It baffles me why <laughs> that they're going this route, because they're deciding to play with magnets. And it's surpri- It's even weirder that it was dreamed up by a <laughs> nine-year-old. Uh, Fast and the which... Furious 9's director, Justin Lin, has revealed that his young son came up with the idea for the upcoming movie's hilariously outlandish magnet plane stunt. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen that uh, trailer, go look it up on YouTube. Easy to find. Absolutely insane. But uh, I'm just saying the director himself has confirmed that his nine-year-old son thought of this. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, uh, Fast and the Furious franchise has always been, like, ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like, they've always had ridiculous fucking stunts being pulled yeah. off. But they look cool as hell, you know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm not knocking it because I've seen every one of them multiple times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But even so, like, this film is just looking out of... Because they're playing with magnets, and there's one scene where Vin Diesel's driving... And then he pushes cars through fucking buildings with magnets and stuff. <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, uh, who is it? Uh, 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 man, I can't remember. Tyrone. Um, I can't remember his name. Uh, there, it's it's the. I can't remember the two, but they they hop out of the back with a car that has jet engines to it, and they try to go into space. That's like the last scene of the. Of oh, the Roman and uh, uh, Roman is uh, Tyrone's character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Tyrese, Tyrese. His name is Tyrese. Tyrese that's what his name is. See, I haven't. I don't know those char- the actors very well. Tyrese Gibson. Yeah. yeah. I said but Tyrone. Even, I was like, lol. Wait. It, even so, if you haven't even seen this trailer, go watch it. John Cena is Vin Diesel's bro- younger brother and stuff like that. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's like let's make the fast, the, the the most the most. Let's make Fast and the Furious, but let's just kind of let a kid play with it. Like that's exact, and that's ex- what's true about it. It is a kid playing with it. He's the director said the, his nine-year-old came up with the stunt. Okay, then. A nine-year-old cable this none for a triple-A a franchise. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. They make a fuck ton of money. <clears throat> they will. This movie is going to triple its box office. And you know what? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, another movie that's probably going to triple. Uh, uh, At least. Uh, yeah, uh, views. Uh, not box yeah. office because it's coming straight to Netflix. It's Netflix. It's uh, at Knives Out 2. And there's been two people that have been casted in this film. And that is Edward Norton and Dave Bautista. Uh, Edward Norton, of course, being the latest actor in the cast of Ryan Johnson's Netflix. I love Edward Norton. I know. He will join the recent... 
Yeah, he'll join the recently cast Dave Bautista and Daniel Craig, who is reprising his role as a private detective, Benoit Blanc. Blanc. And of course, there really isn't any story details about it, but the technical. Well, yeah, because we're still like, what, two years out from it coming out? Pretty much. They're just talking about buying it. I know. Blanc is going to be in a whole new uh, story, so with new people, of course. Netflix, uh, we talked about a while ago, paid $450 million for two more Knives Out movies. And if those are a success, there's going to be, of course, maybe. Which I have no issue because I think Knives Out is a phenomenal whodunit film. Very, it, is, it is like taking Clue but modernizing it. And it's very well um, Still haven't finished it. I watched the first hour. But, like, stopped watching it. Not because I was bored, but because I got distracted. Uh, apparently, production of the, on the sequel is set to start this summer in Greece. So, yeah, probably two years from now. Um, uh, but I guess since we're, we're talking about movies coming out, apparently we talked about last week or a week ago, we talked about George A. Romero's last film coming out called, I think, Nightmare of the Dead. Uh, Twilight of the Dead. That's what it was. But he had a film that was recently found right. called The Amusement Park. And this film is coming to Shudder. Uh, Shudder has released the first trailer for the director, George a., late George A. Romero's film of The Amusement Park. All prints of this film were thought to be lost. But apparently they were found and now Shudder is going to release it. Romero made the film in 1973, and it was commissioned by the Lutheran Society because they wanted a film about the horrible treatment of elderly in contemporary society. The film was never released because the Lutheran Society thought it was too gruesome for mainstream <laughs> audience. Oh, great. Um, yeah, The Amusement Park stars Lincoln Maisel as an elderly man who finds himself increasingly disoriented and isolated during a visit to the amusement park. When he initially assumed would be an ordinary day, quickly turned into a hellish nightmare filled with roller coasters and chaotic crowds. That said, that the film is perhaps Romero's wildest and most imaginative movie, an allegory about the nightmarish realities of growing older, and is the an alluring snapshot of the filmmaker's early artistic capacity and style, and would go into inform his assumed filmography. Romero's wife, Suzanne Romero, shared in statement, first and only work for hire in Romero's career, sheds a new perspective on an ongoing issue of ageism and Romero's uncanny sense of reflection on society. And the Romero footprint is ever-present and bodies well for the feature of his impact on American cinema. We are thankful to Yellow Veil's pictures who helped forge a path for us to find the most perfect custodian for this place. Shudder understands that this film adds an important element to Romero or Gore. Um, we are grateful. <clears throat> a lot of, and she adds more. Like a lot of people are like, "Oh my god, I can't wait to see it." I am. I go. It's not a zombie movie now. Remember. And what's also terrific is that it, you see his footprint. You see how he shoots and his story. It's a unique find, and she. I am so happy to have it. Uh, this thing, uh, the amusement park will debut on Shutter on June eighth, and you can watch a trailer now. Um. It is crazy to think that this film was basically locked away for uh, <laughs> over 50 years. Yeah, no, and now it's coming out. It's probably going to be weak sauce compared to everything that's come out recently. I really yeah, want to see Spiral. Yeah, no, we're, we're going to probably have to watch that together. But no, I think it's a good look at like a different take on... Because he's very known for his zombie films. 
genres. So him doing something outside of that genre is, is unique. So I don't know. I would have to look into it. Even though that it's very old and stuff, it's going to be cheesy, I feel like. But even so, it is a unique look into uh, just how he cre- how he develops his stuff because you only see it through kind of one genre lens. Not right. genre lens, one uh, theme, essentially, centered around zombies. Um, so, yeah, um, June 8th, look out for it. Um, a movie that is also coming out later, and this one I've been highly, like, I really, really am looking forward to this one because this one looks crazy good, um, if it does it right. Uh, the Green Knight. Uh, there is uh, there has been character posters, and there has been a new trailer that has dropped for this film. It is the upcoming medieval fantasy film, um, directed by David Lowry. Lowry is director behind Ain't, Ain't Them Body Saints, Pete's Dragons, A Ghost Story, and The Old Man and the Gun. This is a different film genre for him to play in, but it looks great. Hmm. Um, it looks really good, actually. If you haven't watched the trailer, go watch it. Dev Patel stars in the film as Sir Gawain. King Arthur's reckless and headstrong nephew who embarks on a quest to confront the eponymous Green Knight, a gigantic green-skinned stranger. Yeah. The official synopsis, an epic fantasy adventure based on the timeless Arthurian legend, the Green Knight tells the story of Sir Gawain, who's played by Dev De- Patel, King Arthur's reckless and headstrong nephew, we already got to that point, uh, who has to confront the eponymous Green Knight, a gigantic emerald-skinned stranger and tester of men. Wayne contends with ghosts, giants, thieves, and schemers in what becomes a deeper journey to define his character and prove his worth in the eyes of his family and kingdom of facing, facing the ultimate challenger. From visionary filmmaker David Lowry comes a fresh and bold spin on the classic tale from Knights of the Round Table. In addition to Patel, Green Knight features Joel Egerton, Barry Cogan, Ralph uh, Inazon, Alicia Whitaker, and... Uh, Sean Harris. <clears throat> Jeez. And this will be released on July 30th, 2021, only in theaters. Um, the trailer for this film looks great. Yeah, it looks it looks really great. He sent it to me earlier. It's fantastic. It, it looks trippy. It looks like it's going to be surreal. going to look like it's going to hit deeper meetings behind the story. It really feel. It looks like they actually put their time and effort into making this because I can see, like the the, the budget is there, and and I wouldn't mind like the budget for the like, baby. What? <laughs> what did you say? I said the budget for the baby. Oh my god! The, tra- the 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 posters though. I love these posters. Um. They're on the, the article, if, if you haven't seen them. But they're really good. Really well done, too. Yes. Um, very simplistic, but I love it. And, like, I love uh, Dev Patal's uh, character and how, what he's going to be wearing, um, it seems like. It's yeah, like, costume design looks amazing for this. It does. It really does. It's very um, immersive. I just, hope, I just hope, and this is based on a... Um, uh, I can't remember what it's from. This is a very this is a uh, story, a long time ago. Uh, Sir Gawain the Green Knight is a Middle English uh, tale that was written in late teen, late fourteenth century Middle Eng- uh, Middle English, uh, and yeah, so it's it's a long time ago. This is an old poem um, uh, about romance, Arthurian, and illiterate verse. 
Um, and it's going to be adapted into this uh, basically uh, a, fil- a film epic, which is going to be cool to see. What else was what uh what is else is on our list right here? Oh yeah, so since we're still talking about up and coming things, another trailer has dropped. I also sent you this one. Yes, it's an anthology, a new anthology series from Am- limited anthology series from Amazon, and it's called Solos. Um, and this film has pretty much a star-studded cast behind. Yeah, it. Yeah, like it has a crazy star-studded cast. Yeah, it has Morgan Freeman, Anne Hathaway, Helen Mirren, Anthony Mackie, Constance Wu, Dan Stevens, and Nicole Berry. Um, Solos features seven unique stories that are all connected through the human experience. It explores the strange and wonderful truths of what it means to be human. It's also described as a dramatic and thought-provoking series. Kind of reminds me of the movie uh, Crash from the from the early two thousands. Yeah, I feel like I've heard of that, and I I think I've seen it. But like you're getting vibes of that from that from this. Yeah. Yeah, Crash. Oh, this one had Don Cheadle in it. From 2004, yeah. Yeah, 2004. Yeah, but uh, if you look yeah. at the at the uh, <clears throat> description of the movie, it's... Jeez, uh, wow. Yeah, very, very heart-wrenching right there. Yeah, it, it's actually a pretty good movie. Yeah, no, I, it looks good. Uh, but yeah, no, this is going to be a thought-provoking series, and each episode will tell character-driven stories from different perspectives. The series were created by David Well, who also created Hunters, who previously said, I created this piece with the desire to capture stories about connection, hope, and the search for a common hum of humanity that binds us all. This, cert- uh, this certainly looks like an interesting series with- that will tell inspiracy and moving stories. It will be released on Amazon Prime on May 21st. Uh, the, the trailer, it definitely, it looks, it looks weird. Um, it looks unique, and it, it, if, uh, I just hope, like, it's one of those things where the trailer can show something, but, uh, you have to see it to, uh, know if it's gonna be good or not. Um, but I, I, I'll watch it when it comes out. Um, but speaking of something coming out, another trailer has dropped. That I'm super excited for. Uh, Love, Death, and Robots Season 2, baby. Shit comes out in two days. Two days. By the time this comes out, it'll be tomorrow. (laughs) It'll come out tomorrow by the time you guys listen to this. But May 14th, it's going to show up on Netflix. Uh, Like last month's first trailer, this new one teases a mix of dark dystopian stories and animation styles. But this is definitely not safe for work with plenty of sex, violence, and bad language throughout this trailer. Uh, plus some spectacular visuals. Uh, you definitely need to check out that fucking trailer. Uh, Love, Death, and Robots is produced by David Fincher, who did Mindhunter, Zodiac, and Mank, and Tim Miller, who did Deadpool and Terminator Dark Fate. Uh, volume 2 will consist of eight episodes, and while details of the stories haven't been revealed in advance, which I'm okay with, yeah. uh, Netflix promises it will range from Wild adventures on far-flung planets to unsettling encounters close to home. The show has already been greenlit for season three, which will premiere next year. Uh, In a recent interview with IGN, Miller stated that he hoped to continue making the show for as long as possible. Why would they say? He said, why would we stop doing this as they let us continue to do it? (laughs) As long as they let us continue to do it. He said, I love animation and I love animators. They're just a uh, unique breed. It's a real honor to be able to bring uh, people the project that they never thought they would get. And truthfully, it's fantastic. 
It is very good. The first season had a, like 20 something and they were all great. Each one had their own spin on animation as well as story. Um, each revolving around one of uh, one of the three, of course, love death and robots. Right. Um, but like season uh, two, will, of course, only have eight, eight episodes. But that doesn't mean that the quality isn't going to be as good. It's probably going to be. It's going to be longer episodes. You know what I mean? True. And from the trailer, they definitely show like the trailer itself just shows that the animation is there. The budget was given to them and it was given and the people behind it really are putting the love into these stories. And I really love it because, like I said, animation is now a booming industry. I'm going into it. I really like that he said they're a unique breed because I can fully understand that. Truthfully, uh, yeah. It, because animation, you have to have a certain mindset and patience behind it since it takes a lot of effort. And the, the idea of implementing what you think into a medium for people to watch and stuff like that, that's... In my opinion, not an easy thing for everybody to do. Um, but I really like that Netflix has been giving giving animators the opportunity to tell the stories they want and backing it for them. And I could see the show going for more than just three seasons, going for like double that, maybe triple that. Right. Because like, there's so much you can do with different stories, even though that they're all centered around the three things that the show is known for. Yeah. Uh, either way, I'm super freaking excited for this because um, both of us are really into animation. Yes. But uh, speaking of more animated shows, you know what I mean? Aubrey Plaza and Danny DeVito will voice Lit and Little Demon, uh, a new animated comedy on FXX. Uh, <laughs> in what me might be a perfect alignment of actor and concept and chaos. Um <laughs> Aubrey Plaza and Danny DeVito, along with DeVito's daughter, Lucy DeVito, will be voicing a new animated sitcom called Little Demon. Variety reports it's a slice of comedy set in Delaware. It also features the Antichrist. Uh, the, <laughs> the new show will feature Lucy DeVito as the Antichrist daughter of Plaza's character, where they deal with both the challenges of daily life and Satan. It will premiere first on FXX and stream the following day on FX and Hulu. In addition to lending their voices to Little Demon Plaza and both DeVitos will executive produce the show, it is being produced by FX Productions. Plaza, for her part, has been in the news a fair amount lately. She recently confirmed her marriage to Jeff Benea, Bena, oh. Bena, uh, and she is uh, also set to team up with Allison Brie for Spin Me Round, a new indie comedy. Uh, DeVito cool. is keeping uh, busy as well with It's Always Sunny, uh, being renewed for four more seasons. Back in yeah. December. <laughs> Four more years. Four more years. <laughs> I get the sense that shows can get stale after seasons, but always something has always been on top of their seasons. And you know what? They're never I don't I hope they In the same way that Law and Order SVU does it. You know what I mean? Like they drag real world events to keep you interested, like into the show, you know? It's a, it, they the the writing style behind that show is very well done. Yeah. this is cool too. I really like. I want to see the the animation style behind this. Oh, me like too. It's I, it's gonna be trippy. I already feel it. You know <laughs> what I mean? Be, oh yeah. yeah, that's definitely a unique idea. Um, uh, I think we're that's yeah, it for before the break. You know, like uh, we're gonna take a break. We'll be right back, guys. 
And uh, we'll bring you some more gaming news coming right at you. And we are back from break. I hope you guys missed us. We got gaming news now. What about <laughs> Don't sound it? so well, enthused. Well, some of it is, is very intuitive as some new stuff about uh, some new headsets. Yeah, so uh funny enough, I have to buy a I have to buy a VR headset uh for my online school that I'm starting cuz I'm starting a new school at the beginning of next year. I and have to buy one. I have to buy one for class, yeah. <laughs> like so... class takes place like for my uh game design uh <clears throat> like with uh and game concept art. That's pretty much what I'm doing. But, um... It'll be fun. Yeah, like, the class takes place in, uh... VR. Which means I need to upgrade PCs, so I'm about to drop, like, a bunch of money in, like, right. six months. But, also, you get a VR, so you can play some VR. But, yeah, also I get a VR, so I could, like, do VR chat and ask people to show me the way. You know what I mean? Like... So that'll be cool. That'll be fun to play. I know, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, large expense on one side. There's like the, the devil right there, but the angel part is that I'll have a VR headset. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, which one are you going to get? Are you going to get a Vive? Maybe. Uh, you know, like I was thinking about it now that this has come out. Because like in six months, you know, everything's going to be different. You know what I mean? Like technology-wise. That's always how it goes. Like, six months down the line, like, <clears throat> prices for stuff starts to go down, you know what I mean? Like, the depreciation of technology starts to happen. And then, you know, in a year, you're going to get, like, a pro or a plus version of the exact same thing that has all the bugs worked out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I get it. So. Um, but anyway, yeah. HTC's uh, newest headset signal signals the end of Vibe's five-year quote-unquote VR for the home mission. Only single-handedly because of the price. Uh, but what you get out of this headset is so fantastic. Um, so it launches later on this year. Uh, the Vive Focus 3, HTC's newest all-in-one untethered VR headset, untethered VR headset, uh, competes directly with the Oculus Quest 2, but it costs a whopping $1,000 more than the Facebook-branded option at uh, $1,299 MSRP. And the Vibe Pro 2, a long-overdue spec bump to uh, 2018's Vibe Pro, resembles the earlier model all too much while costing either $799 by itself or $1,399 for its full kit. Uh, those high prices aren't accidents, as the HTC Vibe department is full speed ahead with a focus on business, enterprise, and public entertainment centers, a.k.a. VRcades. Mm. Yeah. Uh, HTC doesn't want to go downstream. Uh, when pressed, Vive General Manager Dan O'Brien confirmed that this month's event has zero announcements in store for its Vive Cosmos line of headsets, which he also admitted is the company's consumer offering for PC VR. Uh, that's not great news for VR fans outside the enterprise sphere. The Cosmos default uh, 
inside out tracking remains wonky even after getting firmware updates and its default controllers are an unfortunate mix of heavy and power inefficient. Uh, something like ViveCon would have been a great time to offer assurances for either current or future Cosmos customers. The silence there, as far as I'm concerned, speaks volumes. Uh, when pressed about Oculus as VR's top-selling consumer option, O'Brien was frank. HTC wants to make its VR money from upfront purchase revenue, not from downstream opportunities. Uh, he described at length the business model of some brands, quote unquote, subsidizing expensive hardware at lower MSRP with the hope of monetizing downstream on shared devices or sorry, shared services and maybe using data mining tactics to, uh, understand user behavior and then run a program that also generates downstream income. <laughs> it's not hard to piece together who he may be talking about. <laughs> Facebook, <coughs> Oculus, <coughs> Uh, but anyway, O'Brien is instead bullish about targeting companies in the manufacturing and intensive training sectors who can find the return on investment or ROI, their savings on efficiencies and time mark time to market within six months of buying Vive headsets. But follow-up questions reveal that HTC isn't necessarily interested in consumers who are willing to spend more for untethered Quest-like options. On paper, the untethered Vibe Pro 3 seems like a sexy jump from Quest 2. <laughs> the only spec they have in common is the Snapdragon XR2 as an SoC. Uh, Vive Focus 3 is otherwise an across-the-board jump, a 120-degree FOV or field of vision. Compared to Quest 2's 92 degrees, um, so that added like quite a few, uh, like a good 30 degrees there of uh, vision on the screen. Uh, a default refresh rate of 90 hertz up from Quest 2's 72 hertz default, which can scale up to 90 hertz and beyond. 8 gigs of RAM up from Quest 2's 6 gigs, and a 5K display that offers a 170% jump in pixel resolution over Oculus's latest model. Uh, plus, its granular interpupillary uh, distance, or IPD slider, will be great news for many head shapes and sizes that don't conform to Quest 2's backwards cost-saving IPD slider. Uh, that remains a sticking point for me, uh, since every time I use Quest 2, it's ill-fitting. Uh, IPD leads me to headaches within 30 minutes of strapping it in. Which, if you've never strapped in like a VR headset onto your head, it doesn't feel comfortable. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's not very like head size inclusive. I've I've had I've had two separate VR headsets on my head before, and uh, neither one of them was comfortable for longer than like ten minutes. It, it you it just takes extra money to get to that point, and eventually we'll get to the point where the headsets will come. Well, that that that's where this comes in. Uh, this is like the next uh, at home luxury. You know what I mean? Like that. This is like. Uh, a really futuristic push, one, in uh, technology used, and two, in comfort uh, those, for longevity uh, of use. One of those things where it's been in development for a while, I think since the 90s, in fact. But, like, the HTC Vive? But what? The HTC Vive or? Just VR in general. Gotcha. Like, it, it's been around for a while because I remember Nintendo had one thing they tried and that was like a nine. That was like back in the nineties, but it failed because it just the technology wasn't there. So I had like a a VR headset that played one game when I was a kid. 
I was probably like 12 or 13 and it was like a karate game and it was completely wired. So I, uh, like this, this is back before like it, it, technology was where it is now, but it was completely wired. Uh, it strapped onto both my arms and both of my legs with like these Velcro straps and like you'd use it like to fight the enemies in the game in the headset. You understand what I'm saying? So you'd kick your leg and you'd kick the enemy or you'd punch and you'd punch the enemy. Yeah. Stuff like stuff like that. You know what I mean? Uh, that was like my first experience with VR. Never in my wildest dreams that I think that that's what, uh, direction video games we're gonna take and uh video game and animation so much so that my online class requires you to attend class in vr that's gonna be cool though it's gonna be freaking awesome yeah because that's like more futuristic stuff that's gonna be happening more relative now we're gonna have actual meetings and stuff where people like okay we can use our vr headsets since everybody has one now right Uh, exactly that's what i'm saying and and it's going to be so high tech at the point where like the meetings are going to be much more uh, realistic and stuff. Not real. Well, yeah, realistic and stuff. Um, <laughs> My hologram appears. <laughs> well, no, I feel like people are just going to be able to choose their own avatar. That's the most fun thing about it. You're you're thinking about Ready Player One uh, shit. I, I like that. based off of like the the metaverse that we were explaining last week. You know, uh-huh. so if you guys didn't listen to last week's episode, we talked a little bit about the metaverse, AR, VR, um, like combinations and stuff like that. So eventually um, we'll get to that point, but I don't think that's it's going to be another another. It's going to be a while. It's going to be a while. I know it's going to be a while, but it's getting there. People, it seems like really like VR is like the next step in where gaming is going to go. Not even just gaming, just like using the software in general as like a tool uh, for like means of business and enterprise and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's definitely where the future is going. Um, you know, some jobs will stay around, but a lot of these yeah. online and like, technologically based jobs and uh career paths are gonna go to vr and ar and you're gonna Um, see it incorporated more and more and more in the next 10 years yeah it's gonna get more expensive but by then i i I think we're gonna get to the point where like people are gonna be able to pay for it as much and stuff like that Right. They're going to be able to make it cost effective for some people and create different modes because uh, it's like with consoles. They came from an uh, early standpoint in the 80s where they were just sold as like a means for kids to play. But now we've gotten to a point where consoles are used for internet, TV, uh, used for creating video games themselves. Like it, It's not just for making giving games to kids to distract them. It's, it's a tool, a societal tool. There we go. Right. Yeah. So, I just I just want to I just want that 30 3990 uh Threadripper AMD, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> um, you want you're talking well, about futuristic, eh baby. Ray yeah. tracing. <laughs> yeah, but uh since we're still on well, does Sony really have anything going in the works for v- VR? I I mean they do, don't they? Yeah. 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 Yeah, they have a whole thing with VR. Yeah, so but Sony's uh, working on VR, but that's not what we're going to talk about. For yeah, like I was, I was just talking about uh, video card, like video cards and stuff, uh, computer parts, whatnot. Anyway, uh, speaking of computer parts, 
the chips are still the the shortage of semiconductors uh is affecting not just sony now um nintendo actually just put out word like yesterday or today that it's gonna start affecting uh nintendo production as well wait you said semiconductors yes the shortage of semiconductors uh that that's affecting sony and the ps5 shortages is going to start affecting other companies like nintendo just released uh like out to the press that they're going to have a shortage of semiconductors as well which is going to uh, halt and slow down production of uh uh nintendo products so uh, sorry, I was just, <laughs> when, when you say conductor, like the, the idea of a semi or superconductor made me think of, okay, if we're running out of those, are we going to start going into fallout territory? Because, oh, <laughs> because fallout if the entire, okay. The basis of the fallout universe is that semi and superconductors were never invented and everybody focused on uh, nuclear fission energy. Uh, so that, that's that. So I was just getting, that's my thought process there. Right. Um, but of course, there's going to be a shortage. I, I expected it. Uh, yeah, but selling. everybody who thought that PS5s were going to be on the shelf by summer are uh, sadly mistaken because they probably aren't going to see you're you're not going to see a PS5 on the shelf uh, at a store until probably next year. Yeah, more than likely. Or halfway through next year, between uh, like between like in the first half of uh, next year is when you're really going to oh, stay. Start stocking up on shelves. Maybe have one in stock, and somebody buys it up. You know what I mean? Like, but uh, they're gonna have to limit. They're gonna limit it per person. They're gonna limit the time that you can get it. It's it's gonna be a whole process. People, I don't even know when I'm gonna get one. So uh, we'll see. I yeah. might just upgrade on my Xbox and go because since you already have one, you can talk about it, and then I could stay on the Xbox trend and talk about that stuff. Up but, to you, bro. But uh, I mean, I'll so far it. they've I, sold fourteen point eight million units, and it's still going up. You know what I mean? Like they've the sold every one that's been on the shelf. Yeah, I just want to be able to. I, eventually, I would like to get both, so I could play both like of the games that come out and stuff like that. But like, that's yeah, I was never an I Xbox think. player like a- because I don't like their controllers. But Brian was so. Who knows? Maybe one day he'll be like, "Hey, I like video games again." You know what I mean? And just buy an Xbox. But that's like the only way I can see myself getting an Xbox. No, it's up to you. See, I grew up with it, so I'm fine playing with it. It right. depends on what what you grew up and what you played with and what you're comfortable with. Um, that That's what I see it as. Um, but speaking of some uh, of a company getting real... Com- Do you want to talk more about the Sony thing, though? Uh, no, no, that's all I really wanted to touch on uh, was just the PS5 shortage and the semiconductor shortage, which uh, affected Nintendo as well. Um, yeah. Microsoft okay. uh, thus far hasn't said anything about the semiconductor shortage, but uh, not soon at some point, though. that's what I'm um, saying. Like, you expect yeah. it from more big companies that produce all kinds of things. Yeah, but uh, speaking of big companies, Ubisoft is kind of getting uh, uh, very comfortable because as they're gonna focus their games more on high-end free-to-play games in the future um interesting yeah as ubisoft announced last week their next division game called heartland will be a free-to-play uh i and people are wondering what a sign uh that the publisher is pursuing the success that activision has enjoyed with the free-to-play battle royale call of duty warzone 
Um, and short answer is yes, it is, but it is ambitious, but not limited to Tom Clancy shooters. Ubisoft Chief Financial Advisor Frederick Frederick Duggett said, Frederick Douglas. Uh, yeah, said during today's er- earnings call that the company previously commitment to release three to four premium AAA games per year with is no longer the company's previous commitment to. Uh, oh no. Uh, is no longer a proper indication of Ubisoft's value creation dynamics. Instead, it will be conti- it will continue to maintain a high cadence of content delivery, including powerful premium and free-to-play new releases. So they're not just going to change their entire thing to just free-to-play. They're going to focus on both. Like, uh, you'll have the AAA games that they're going to, of course, like the Assassin's Creed franchise is going to be still around right. and stuff like that. But then they're going to create these free-to-play games to try to contend with the ones that are out now, um, <clears throat> which makes sense. It's it's a very lucrative uh, deal because free-to-play video games, games are lucrative in in general, especially free-to-play games uh, yeah. where they offer uh, payable upgrades, which you know right. is going to happen because Ubisoft is also uh, a big fan of doing that, along with EA. <laughs> you know. They're- they're, they're not as bad. They're not they're as like, bad. I give them that definitely, but it's definitely an issue. They still do it. Still do it. Yeah. Um, the goal is to grow audiences, grow audiences by widening, widening our brand at the top of the funnel. In other words, convincing more people to try Ubisoft games by making them free at the entree level. It's a financial decision. Ubisoft CEO, jeez, uh, Yves Guillemont said, the company's revenues are, are more and more recurring, referring to player purchases within games that are often free to play, and their growing importance compared to single purchase premium games. When Duggett said that the company is not looking to cash in on low budget work, we are building high end free to play games to be trending toward triple A ambitions over long term. We think we have a great opportunity to mean to meaningfully expand the audience of our biggest franchises, and we've taken the time to learn from what we did last year with Hyperscape. Hyperscape. We are also learning with uh, with the launch we'll be making on Roller Champions. I still haven't heard that. Uh, we've been learning a lot with Brawlhalla. I uh, see. I've heard that one before. I've um, heard of Brawlhalla as well. Yeah, that is rapidly growing, which I know it is. I know people keep talking about it when I when I, in certain circles, um, and we think it is now the time to come with high quality free to play games across our biggest franchises across all platforms. I don't know what Hyperscape is. I don't know Hyperscape, what Hyperscape. Hyperscape is a free to play first person shooter battle royale game developed by Ubisoft Montreal and published by Ubisoft for Microsoft Windows, PS4, and Xbox One. Released July twelfth, twenty twenty. Hmm. What are the reviews? Uh, oh. oh, okay. IGN didn't give it a good review. They didn't? It's a free-to-play game. I don't know what you expected. This is 5 out of 10. 89% of people say they like it on Google. But uh, other than that, I see them going for it. So it makes sense like they're going to go this route. Maybe this will lead into a free-to-play game for Assassin's Creed, Watch Dogs, Far Cry, Tom Clancy, pretty much everything from them. Um, because I feel like they're going to try to encapsulate the franchises they have now into the free-to-play games. I don't think they're going to be as big and, like, they're not going to have a big open-world Assassin's Creed game for a free-to-play game. It's more going to probably be, like, some 
Battle Royale-esque game in some form or way. Maybe right. survive. I don't know. I would have to wait until they start developing and more and more. Um, but that's pretty much it I have for Ubisoft. But since we're still on the idea of development... Uh, uh, yeah, the biggest game on yeah. Roblox just opened its own development studio. So a press release from Uplift Games reveals that whilst the studio was originally founded by two talented Roblox, Roblox developers, the team now has expanded to 40 strong game studio, including a mix of experienced Roblox creators and veteran developers. Uh, Roblox. This really? does? Yeah, it's a it, Roblox is a video game. And it's it's a thing where people made their own Roblox game on the game itself, and now it's being developed into an actual video game that by the people that created it right. and played the game. It, it's, it's just a crazy thought to think of. Well, it, not really, because like people have uh, used uh, the redstone in Minecraft to create games and animations on the inside of Minecraft. So if they can do that, then it should be the exact same way with Roblox, right? I, I guess so, but I just think it's funny that like they created a game in the, the studio and now they're opening their own studio to create more games because they all started from creating a video game on a video game. Video gameception. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Roblox is a hugely popular online platform. Obviously, if you've never heard of Roblox, you're not a gamer and live under a rock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay, as long as you're just being you. Because that's yeah. always cooler than being someone you're not. Um, that's all for today. Uh, no, I'm playing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Adopt Me originally launched on Roblox in 2017 and has gone on to become the fastest growing and most successful Roblox title of all time. Adopt Me is a game created within Roblox where players can build houses, collect and trade over 150 cute pets, and use in-game tools to create their own fun with friends. The game has seen over the game has seen over 22 billion visits to date and set a new world record for concurrent players on Roblox hitting 1.92 million concurrent users in April 2021. The game also saw 100% growth of new players between January 2020 and January 2021. Uh, with numbers like that, it's no surprise the team wants to flex its creative muscle and talent in a different direction, but Uplift, Uplift also uh, stressed its commitment to supporting Adopt Me through Roblox, stating that the studio will remain focused on Adopt Me as well as future unannounced projects. Interestingly, uh, Uplift Games has been keen to highlight its positive health-focused approach to any projects it works on, stressing that the studio has an ambitious mission statement to deliver a healthy and inclusive working environment while operating a hugely successful self-funded game. See, and this goes back uh, to show that, you know, the video game industry is taking extra time out of their day to make sure that their employees are healthy and all right instead of crunching. Mentally healthy and ready to be able to develop games instead of just breaking down and... Yeah. Yeah, no, basically, yeah, that. Yeah, developers have the freedom to work when and how they wish to meet development goals. Uh, which are themselves carefully managed by studio leadership to minimize overwork and burnout. So you make your own schedule, essentially. Like, I like that. Yeah, me too, because I'd come in at 11, 11 or 12 every day and stay until fucking yeah. 8 or 9, you know what I mean? You just done, uh, but you make your own schedule around it, and then you have like a certain deadline to work by. 
Right. Um, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll shit. That sounds awesome. Like sounds, if if it gave you, if 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 people gave you the option to just like make your own schedule, I think the world would be like a lot easier. You know what I mean? I feel like pe- people would be able to make sure to have that responsibility because it gives them more gives them the more responsibility <laughs> to make sure that they follow the schedule that they set to themselves. Right, um, right, exactly. So like you could work overnights, you know what I mean? Like if that works better for you. Like okay. depending, yeah. yeah, just depending on uh, how you like to work, and I love that personally. But uh, a statement from Josh Ling, the director of business of operation, confirmed this approach, saying that Uplift Games is a place where great, successful games can be made by people who live happy and healthy lives. It'll probably be a while until we see anything new from Uplift Games, but at least the development team is free to work at their own pace. So that's fantastic right there. Like, that makes me want to go work for them. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, like, just, see, just seeing a, a developer, not, not just a developer, a boss in general who cares that much about your health and well-being. And a it's, company. A good, and a, 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 it's like a company value. You know what I mean? I, if I ever have a company or anything in a production <clears throat> value or a production studio of my own, I would at least like to be able to treat the employees as general human beings which it sounds like a bo- like the boss for uplift is really doing that trying to treat them as not just objects for for creating video games but more so or uh, uh, uh they're human beings and they have lives of their own that they need to do exactly um, and and that's good to know because it's it, this this is something that hasn't just affected the video game industry. This is a pretty much affected all industries. Um, this kind of work, work management work ethic, uh, where they push their employees to work certain hours at certain time crunches. Um, this is just a different iteration of that. Um, so exactly. Uh, but it's, what I said exactly. Yeah. It's good to see that that at least the 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 industry the video game industry is learning that this is that the way of time crunch is wrong. Um, although you can have a due date for a certain thing, you shouldn't push your developers to s- extreme lengths to get shit done. Um, Preach it, bro! Like, <laughs> yeah, but uh, moving on from that. Um... GitHub and Grand Theft Auto have been uh, having some issues. Oh no! (laughs) (laughs) GitHub reverses uh, the takedown of a reverse engineered GTA source code. So I'll explain. I'll explain it in in this article. Um, Yeah, Uh, the reverse engineered source code for the PC versions of Grand Theft Auto 3 and Vice City are back online today, months after it was originally posted and then quickly taken down due to a DMCA request from publisher Take-Two. Torrent Freak reports, on the restored version of the project, which was posted as a seemingly identical fork of the original by a New Zealand-based developer named Theo, while the original GitHub poster who goes by the handle AAC... Uh, has not contested Take-Two's original takedown. Theo told Torrent Freak he had filed a counterclaim to restore his copy of the project, saying it contained no code owned by Take-Two, which is true. Uh, 
we previously looked in depth at how video game fan coders use reverse engineering techniques to deconstruct the package ex executable files distributed by the a game's original developers. This painstaking function-by-function -function process creates raw programming code that can generate exactly the same binary file when compiled, uh, though the code as distributed on GitHub still requires external copyrighted art and sound assets from legitimate copies of the game. So it's it's it, they're copying part of the game, just part of the game, so that they can. Uh, uh, they're not copying it though; they're reverse engineering it from the original yeah, files. So it's not technically the exact same work of art. You know what I mean? But uh, in order for the pro the the program that they like reverse engineered to work, they have to link in to uh, the original game, which okay. requires copyrighted art and sound assets from legitimate copies of the game. I get, so I get it. They're basically <clears throat> taking a part of the code and using it as a basis to build onto. Exactly. Like, they're yeah. using it as a basis to build onto uh, to fix parts of the game. Uh, so yeah. pretty, pretty much what they did was reverse engineered code to do bug fixes, reduce load times, improve rendering, widescreen monitor support free floating camera system just a couple examples you know what i mean like of uh some of the things that you do with reverse code but um yeah it's pretty much just how you uh create mods but in there in uh grand theft autos and user license agreement that you have to sign to sign or uh agree to every time you play the game essentially mm -hmm. it specifically asks players to agree to not reverse engineer decompile disassemble or prepare derivative works based on or otherwise modify the software in whole or in part like so yeah uh, back in 2005, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, upheld a similar anti-reverse engineering EULA to take down uh, BNet D, which it was a reverse-engineered version of Blizzard's Battle.net that allowed the service to be emulated on private servers. So, uh, all right, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, pretty much, they don't want you to modify their game. That, I mean that sucks. It's basically like Nintendo. It's it's it, what they're doing. They're they're taking down moderate modders and stuff like that. Yeah, they're like that. GitHub and was going after GTA modders. Yeah, but like, it, even so, like it's modding. It, it, I know G and I know Rockstar. Rockstar really doesn't care for modders that much. Right, they don't like modders. Like yeah, and it's the same thing with Nintendo. They don't like modders either. So and uh, but to me, in my opinion. I think modders are probably the most creative uh, people of the of the gaming industry because they create they take their own ideas and implement it into something that already exists. And uh, I'm going to talk more about this with a article I have later that talks about the Resident Evil Eight mods that have come out, um, and all of them are very creative, every single one of them. But it just goes to show, in my opinion, I think giving a modder that option to be able to modify the game to either make it more fun for them or stylized in their own way or just add their own kind of unique stories or whatnot they want to it is is it just it adds on to the game it adds on to the the emphasis of uh the just what the game is it's because like I'm losing track of my of what I'm trying to say. Basically, I think modding is a good is a good tool. Uh, modding is a great tool. It, yeah. It, yeah. 
It's a good tool. I think it's a good tool, and I think more game companies should be open to the idea of it because uh, it stems ideas. There you go. That's the basis of it. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it, it can improve upon what was thought to be, you know, flawless, and then find a new meaning in what it means to have beauty think in it, video games. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it from a Bethesda, from a different angle, everything looks different. You know. One of the companies that like really is open to modding is Bethesda. That is a definite thing. Skyrim is probably one of the, the most modded games in, in gaming history at this moment. Uh, yeah, because their source code is so easy to mod, and it's been it's been open ever since the game came out. Um, and Bethesda's fine with that, and they take the ideas that modders create and implement it into future games. Mm-hmm. So, and I like that. I think it's a good tool to use because it, it as long as you're not like directly ripping it off, or you have the modder help with that and implementing it into the new game system, I feel like that's a good tool. Uh, good tool for the gaming industry or just a uh, gaming production studio in general to use because uh it's it's like uh user criticism in the sense uh, right for your games yeah um but i think we're gonna take a little stroll down uh some games that maybe well we're gonna take a stroll towards uh play Fortnite. sicko mode <laughs> play sicko mode uh, um fortnite is gonna Sun get is a down. new mode apparently and Freezing it's gonna cold. be survival mode called daybreak um <clears throat> epic has, is apparently maybe preparing to bring a new pve survival sandbox to fortnite as files referencing daybreak appear in today's 16.40 patch uh, this was spotted by Eurogamer. The latest Fortnite update includes references to an open-world simulation sandbox previously teased by leaker Hypex earlier this month. From the looks of various leaks, Daybreak take place, takes place on an entirely different map from Battle Royale and involves hunting monsters, scavenging and crafting items before making your escape with other players by repairing a helicopter before the game's third night. Interesting. There are... I know. I, 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 in my opinion, this sounds like cool. I wasn't really. A, I've never really been a fan of battle royales in a sense. Me either. Um, like, but especially Fortnite's battle royale because it just seemed too childish to me, in my opinion. Yeah, the game was childish. I felt like it was a game for like ten-year-olds. Like when yeah. I could play Call of Duty with all the blood and guts and explosions <laughs> and fucking PTSD. You know much but the the implement this into the idea of it being a pve survival sandbox i feel like that's a good idea um and i think it, it's it's probably going to definitely work for them if they do it right there are allegedly pve and pvv pvp very very leakers hypex and sissy are also teased a new umbrella reward for completing a round um, the leak description for the game mode allegedly reads, you wake up alone and unarmed along the coast of an island with no memory of how you arrived. Quickly search for weapons and ammunition before nightfalls and creatures begin to roam the hillsides hunting for prey. Keep an eye out for other stranded people. They may prove to be invaluable alloy- allies in your fight to stay alive on the increasing hostile island. Granted, Fortnite may already has a PvE... Uh, survival mode, one that predates the game's massively popular battle royale mode. Save the world. Why does world this sound like seven days to die, but like in three days? 
uh, save the world may languish the relative obscurity, but it appears Epic is interested in bringing elements of the original Fortnite back into Battle Royale. I remember the original Fortnite. I remember that it was like a a clone of Left 4 Dead in the sense. Um, and then eventually it spun off into their Battle Royale, which became the biggest hit ever uh, uh, because everybody's just started playing it. Play sickle mode! And then every kid got obsessed with it, and then the dances. Oh, my God. Sun it down, freezing cold. Oh, oh. If these leaks are accurate, though, Daybreak sounds like a much tighter experience. None of this has been officially confirmed by Epic's official channels, of course. But the leaks are anything to go by. Expect to hear more details when um, more uh, patch notes drop later. Um, I don't know. I could see it working uh, if they do this right. It it seems like they're probably going to... And it sounds yeah, like seven. What'd you say? Seven uh, days to die. Yeah, pretty much. It just sounds like one of those things where the more you get farther into it, uh, the, the more harder it gets. Um, so uh, leave by the third night or else you're pretty much screwed. Uh, there's this little picture, though, uh, which I think came from the data leak, um, which has uh, Fortnite characters running towards a broken helicopter with... Uh, little monsters coming after them. Interesting. Um, I don't know if this is if. Oh no, this is this is an image credited by Epic Games, so this is real. Um, but since we're still on Epic Games, why? I think maybe last week or two weeks. It's been, we we were talking about it for a bit. Epic versus Apple. It's been a trial for a bit that's been going on as uh, Epic has been not giving Apple uh, like some money. Uh, because of I can't remember exactly what what but they're in deep water shit. But apparently, one of Fortnite's bananas uh, nude body skins is been is apparently become the focus in the trial. Interesting. So, yeah, I'm just gonna talk about this very briefly. Uh, yeah, Epic and Apple were back in court today for two week of the trial sparked by Epic's 2020 accusation that Apple's iOS rules are anti-competitive. As usual, the lawyers are arguing over technical distinctions that wouldn't be out of place in the late-night Discord chat. Today's questions include whether or not Fortnite is for kids and whether Fortnite creative mode is a game or something else. One unexpected question did come up, though, whether or not it's appropriate to show a nude chest of Peely, Fortnite's banana character, in federal court. What the fuck? <laughs> I can see your head shaking. <laughs> Lawyers are um, so petty. They're like the petty kings of the United States. Mm, well, there's yeah. not only just lawyers in the United States. You know you what I mean. Listen. They're petty kings of the U.S. Do you want to listen to this, the, the transcript of no. what happened? No. Uh, here we go. So this is according. This is between an <laughs> Apple lawyer and Epic marketing director Matthew Wessinger. Apple lawyer. We have a large uh, banana, ye- a yellow banana here in a tuxedo. Uh, Wessinger. Yes, that's Peely. Apple lawyer, after noting that Peely is wearing a suit. We thought it was better to go with the suit instead of the naked banana, because we're in federal court. Uh, clearly, Apple's lawyer was being playful, but it's still very good that the phrases, yes, that's Peely, and naked ban- banana have been recorded by the court's pornographer. Uh, there's more. I thought you just yep. said the court's pornographer. I was like, what the fuck? No, stenographer. The guy, the person who... Right, right, the, the typer. <laughs> yeah, the typer. Um... Did you know that has to like you actually have to write you have to be able to type at a certain like uh, speed to be able to do that? 
Uh, yeah, I'm sure. <clears throat> I think it's like 120 words per minute or something like that. That's... It's insane. It's an insane amount. Yeah, that's um, crazy shit. Um, but according to uh, this is this is from the epic lawyer. Uh, there might have been an implication that showing Peely without a suit might have been inappropriate. Lawyer shows a picture of naked Peely in a court. Is there anything inappropriate about Peely without clothes? And then Wessinger just says, it's just a banana man. Which it's true. I'm it's a, banana. a banana. And you're basically sexualizing a banana. <laughs> um, I mean, have you seen what they did to Jessica Rabbit? I don't I don't think Epic is sexualizing. I think the court is over sexualizing <laughs> it because it's just a banana. And literally the naked banana is is Peely without its peel wearing swim trunks. That's pretty much it. It, it. It's I don't think that's bad for kids or anything like that. And it just they just brought it up in court for some reason to try to to, to get Epic uh, back in some way, which I think Epic's probably gonna win this. I mean, Apple has the money, but like I see Apple, Apple, uh, Epic winning in some form of way because like they have a good case behind them. Um, but we're going to move on here as a video game is dropping on Xbox next month. Um, I kind of want to talk about this because I don't, I've never heard of this game, but it is a battle royale game, but it involves you playing animals and fighting each other. Interesting. Yeah, it's called Super, Super Animal Royale coming to consoles. Um, so it not it's not just landing on Xbox; it's landing on also PlayStation and Nintendo Switch. Um, if you need another battle royale game in your life, which I don't know if you do or not, uh, check out the new trailer for Super Animal Royale from uh, Pixely. Uh, in this game, you play a cute forest animal that goes around in hopes of outlasting their sixty-three competitors with the help of shotguns, bananas, emus, hamster balls, and more. The game sounds ridiculous and has garnered a lot of praise from Steam Early Access. On June 1st, Xbox players will be able to give the game a try via Xbox Game Preview and Xbox Game Pass. I'll try it, because I have that. Uh, Super Animal Royale is a battle royale with zoo a zoological twist. Play as your favorite cuddly, genetically modified animal picked from 300-plus breeds. Fight your style with 600-plus cosmetic items and jump off the back of a giant eagle and into a 64-player fight to the death. You'll fire shotguns and sparrows, toss grenades and bananas, ride emus and hamster balls all the way to the top of the food chain. The explosive top-down action play pairs perfectly with expressive flat design style, which I agree, the design style is very nice on the eyes, and the innovative fog of war system enables the games uh, that that's as deep and strategic, strategic as fun as, uh, and accessible. And you can check out the trailer now because it's available. Heard um, that, bro. It looks crazy. That's all. I'll yeah, say. I like the uh, variety, like yeah. uh, picking from three hundred plus breeds. You know what I mean? Like six hundred plus cosmetic items, like sixty-four it, player it, fight to the death. Like that sounds pretty cool to me. I, I think it's a unique style and on, on it. it. It's a top-down shooter game, so you're you're playing from the bird's eye view. Um, but like I, I can play a game like this. It looks fun. Like I'm looking at the trailer right now, um, and it just look it's it's unique in my opinion. It's a, a different take on what the battle royale game can be. 
Um, because to me, battle royales are pretty much uh, all copies of each other. You go around, collect items and weapons, and kill each other until you're number one. Um, but I think this is a fun new spin with it involving animals and uh, stuff that is related to animals and whatnot. Um, I'll check it out. It comes out June 1st. Cool. I'll check it out because I have Xbox Game Pass. Word. Pass. <laughs> um, and I'm, I am still have more more articles. Right? I have a few, uh, one more. And this is about another video game. Uh, this is going to a puzzle platforming video game. It's inspired by Portal. Um, and it, it, you become the master of gravity in Skies Beneath. Um, which... Uh, <laughs> Upcoming puzzle platforming adventure Sky Beneath provides a gravity-altering suit and mind-bending powers, making it perfect for portal, portal fans. Puzzle games are a genre that have delivered some of the most mind-bending experiences in players, whether delivering a twitchy platforming puzzle cornundum like the Brilliant Celeste, uh, which I have played, and yes, uh, it, it kind of is pretty much that, uh, or a literal virtual puzzle box like the Room's Minimalist Experience, Video games focused on puzzles, especially indie games, continually deliver delightful and devious challenges to players all too eager to try and figure out solutions. Hmm. A new puzzle game releasing later this year aims to challenge players by delivering a challenge that makes players the master of gravity. Sky Beneath is what the game is called. Developed and published by Mindhaven Games, this is a third-person puzzle platformer that gives players an incredible physics-altering suit able to manipulate the world in interesting ways ripe for tons of mind-bending adventures. It also includes Metroidvania aspects, making it a new take on gravity puzzle games like Gravity Wash, The Outer Wilds, or the Portal series. I don't know. There's still more. In Skyrim, players play Cassie, a brave and plucky scavenger who teams up with brilliant inventor Annie to explore and profit from salvaging dangerous abandoned mining facilities and various space stations and orbital, orbital platforms. To aid in their pursuits, Duo utilizes Annie's greatest invention, a revolutionary suit built in part using alien technology. This allows Cassie to harness gravity itself giving her the ability to walk on walls, stick to ceilings, change gravity mid-jump, and even alter the gravity of moving objects while in motion. Sky's Knees gameplay is a varied blend of challenging puzzles mixed with action performing precise precision. Uh, the grounded and gorgeous facilities Cassie finds herself in are chock full of peril and obstacles uh, that she must harness the unique powers to suit her over uh, her suit her suit must overcome. One challenge might be manipulating falling debris to even press a switch thereby opening a hatch into a new area, another involving a hallway full of moving industrial lasers that must be dodged carefully with gravity-manipulating platform. Um, there's more about it. The, move it. the movement is fluid and intuitive. Uh, it gives players a sense of real control, having them zip around environments in no time after getting basic controls down. Uh, for instance, when shifting gravity, the game highlights where Cassie will end up with blue holograms, silhouette of her character model. This simple yet effective choice ensures that players will know where the character will end up. I like that. I think that's a good thing for a game like this, where you're giving them a space that y you are... It's just... It's on... Um, you can't really know. You, you don't know where they're going to end up. It's, it's uh, gravity-defined, essentially. Right. Um, 
yeah, there's more about this game. Uh, apparently, they're similar to the gravity bending mechanic in Prey, uh, which I played, and that was a very fun game, um, which featured an alien ship that allowed players to shift gravity to traverse the walls and ceilings, yes. Um, the game feels like a homage to the Portal series with deadly but barren levels uh, and environments that are just as dangerous and as they're taxing on the brain. <clears throat> um, yeah, I haven't looked at the trailer yet. There's some pictures from it in this article, um, but even so, the tra- the pictures look kind of unique and whatnot. Um, I would have to look at the trailer and see see more. Um, right, I'm I'm looking at gameplay right now for Sky Beneath, and it it actually looks pretty cool. the yeah. The characters uh, are a little weirdly proportionate, uh, but I don't. You know, yeah, it, it has a it has a cartoony feel to it. If you understand what I mean, right. but like, yeah, no, this is cool. You can you can tell like they're going through objectives at the beginning right now uh, and they're switching gravity. So then they're walking on one wall, like, and they drop down onto another wall. If you understand what I mean, oh. like, and they switch it again. Yeah. yeah, no, this is actually pretty cool. It looks, it looks unique. I, I, I it would look, I would look into it more if I could. Um, but like I said, I have other video games kind of on my docket that are coming out. Um, as, and this will kind of lead into our last, last two, uh, sense of video game just came out last, uh, what is it? Uh, last week or it was like a few days ago, actually. Uh, uh, Resident Evil 8. Uh, just yeah, it hasn't even, I don't even think it's been a full week yet since it released. I think it released on like the eighth, the seventh, something like that. I don't know. People are really liking it. Um, I, I like I, it. I've seen uh, the first five hours of gameplay so far. I'm watching PewDiePie's walkthrough. Uh, I watched his I watched his uh, walkthrough of the last one, uh, which, w- w- what was that one called? Biohazard or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. This picks mm-hmm. up uh, like a couple of years after uh, with the exact same characters as uh, the last game. So Ethan Winters and his wife and uh, his daughter Rose. So oh. who is a baby? Yeah. How's his hands, by the way? His hands aren't doing too hot, dude. Like, let me tell you, dude. <laughs> like, they're not doing too good, dude. Like, and like yeah. the blocking system in that is just like, it's so funny to me. Like, and the, the healing system, I don't know why it's like really funny to me. Like, cause like every time he gets hurt, like all he does, like the, the healing is him just pouring antiseptic all over yeah. his hands. No, <laughs> I'm so like, funny. what the fuck? like Uh, yeah no but genuinely it's beautiful i'm watching pewdiepie play it on uh ps5 like i said i'm only like five hours into his gameplay like because you know me i don't play scary games but i'll watch somebody else play a scary game like yeah yeah i i will probably get it eventually there's another game coming out not too uh like it's at the end of this month that i really want to get um but uh, this one apparently the mods the mods have been going crazy with this game uh, since the hinges of this game have just been released and that the source code this uh, the source for some of the characters uh, uh, you can use now and whatnot like that thing let modders mod and you'll find some amazing content and this is right. one of the things uh, do you want a baby Chris Redfield? Lady D statues fly swatters Resident Evil Village mods are already running pretty wild. Um, yeah, if you build it, this, this is, this is the literal tagline for the, for the article. If you build it, they will clown. 
And that is very true. If you build a video game, people will mod it to hell. Um, <laughs> um, and pretty much, let's Let's start off really right, as the grand tradition of putting Thomas the Tank Engine into every video game there is, is a reminder that Count, uh, Count Theodora mod exists. So basically, they made Lady Demestrescu, but made her face Thomas the Tank Engine. <sighs> <laughs> you can see these these are all yeah right. i know i've seen it it's just every game does that though i know there's there's also chris redfield as a baby uh <laughs> which is mildly terrifying <laughs> because, yeah uh, there's a there's a youtube trailer or something that shows it off but there's also a picture and i hate it it's basically a baby it's the baby in the video the baby they put, yeah they put chris redfield's face on it I do not like uh, it. <laughs> that makes me queasy. <laughs> yeah. uh, some may say that Lady Asin, but Demestrescu, a.k.a. Lady D, a.k.a. Tall Vampire Mommy, a.k.a. everyone's new favorite cosplay, is very stylish. How about you give her more style? Even new sunglasses, perhaps. A new mod called Mommy Glasses, even. <laughs> oh, hell yes. No, did you see earlier in the group chat, uh, the wholesome sluts with bubble butts, that one? Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah, the trade offer with Lady Demetriscu in it, it said trade offer, I received your life, soul, and blood, and it says you've received Big Chungus Mommy Big Milkers. Big Chungus Mommy Milkers. <laughs> 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 Big oh, Chungus God. Mommy Milkers, bro, like, I think Brandon sent that. I don't know yeah. who sent that. Uh, anyway, it might it might have been me. Do you not want her to have glasses? Well, how about replacing all the armor in her house with giant statues of her? <sighs> and then, if you want to get a little taboo, you can change her to look like per Mr. X <coughs> from the original Resident Evil game. What the fuck? But he's wearing the... He's wearing... It looks but he's like wearing her. the... Oh god! But he's wearing everything. It's just her face is, and her and her skin is different. Also, I saw this one too. This is a funny one. They changed the knife that you can stab her with into a fly swatter. And there's just there's this video of a dude going around slapping her in the butt, and she just kind of goes around and kills him. Um, <clears throat> I remember that <sighs> one. Uh, oh yeah, do you want to change the merchant, the duke, the duke into uh, something that is truly? Uh, a work of art. They take Pudge from Dota 2 and implement him. Oh god, he looks awful. Uh, Fluffy mod manager. Yeah, there, there's more though. Uh, apparently, you can play as Alcinia Demetriscu in Resident Evil 3 now. Um, so that's fun. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, the mods are going, and the mods are going to continue going. They released the source for for Lady Demetriscu. Uh, you already know that there's going to be mods, and then porn, and then mods with porn and uh, <laughs> porn mods and <laughs> mods with more porn yeah oh man um but yeah no it's cool to see i like seeing the mods mods are fun to watch because i like seeing people just fuck around right and, so the um, mods uh it actually leads us into uh the last article here dude if you were finished up with that one, oh, I'm of done. course. I'm done. But yeah. uh, so it began as an AI fueled dungeon game, and then it got much darker. So mm -hmm. in December 2019, Utah startup Latitude launched a pioneering uh, online game called AI Dungeon that demonstrated a new form of human machine collaboration. 
The company used text generation technology from artificial intelligence company OpenAI to create a choose-your-own-adventure game inspired by Dungeons & Dragons. When a player typed out the action or dialogue they wanted their character to perform, algorithms would craft the next phase of their personalized, unpredictable adventure. Last summer, OpenAI gave Latitude early access to a more powerful commercial version of its technology. In in marketing materials, OpenAI touted AI Dungeon as an example of a... of the commercial and creative potential of writing algorithms. Then last month, OpenAI says it discovered AI Dungeon also showed a dark side to human-AI collaboration. A new monitoring system revealed that some players were typing words that caused the game to generate stories depicting sexual encounters involving children. OpenAI asked Latitude to take immediate action. Uh, Uh, Content moderation decisions are difficult in some cases, but not this one. OpenAI CEO uh, Sam Altman said in a statement, this is not the future for uh, AI that any of us wants. Cancellations and memes. Uh, Latitude turned on a new moderation system last week and triggered a revolt among its users. Some complained it was oversensitive and they cannot refer to their eight-year-old laptop without triggering a warning message. Others said the company's plans to manually review flag content would needlessly snoop on private fictional creations that were sexually explicit but involved only adults. A popular use case for AI Dungeon. Uh, In short, Latitude's attempt at combining people and algorithms to police content produced by people and algorithms turned into a mess. Irate memes and claims of canceled subscriptions flew thick and fast on Twitter and AI Dungeon's official Reddit and Discord communities. The community feels betrayed that Latitude would scan and manually access and read private fictional literary content says one AI Dungeon player who goes by the handle Mimi and claims to have written an estimated total of more than 1 million words with the AI's help, including poetry, Twilight Zone parodies, and erotic adventures. Mimi and other upset users have uh, stated that uh, they understand the company's desire to police publicly visible content, but say it has overreached and ruined a powerful creative playground. It allows me to explore aspects of my psyche that I never realized existed, Mimi says. Mm. A Latitude spokesperson said its filtering system and policies for acceptable content are both being refined. Staff had previously banned players that who learned uh, had used AI Dungeon to generate sexual content featuring children, but after OpenAI's recent warning, the company is working on necessary changes, the spokesperson said. Latitude uh, pledged in a blog post last week that AI Dungeon would continue to support other NSFW content, including consensual adult content, violence, and profanity. Blocking the AI system from creating some types of sexual or adult content while allowing others will be difficult. Technology like open AIs can generate text in many different styles because it is built using uh, machine learning algorithms that have digested the statistical patterns of language use, uh, use in billions of words scraped from the web, including parts not appropriate for minors. Uh, the software is capable of moments of uh, startling mimicry, but it doesn't understand social, legal, or genre categories uh, as people do. Uh, add the fiendish inventedness of Homo inter- uh, internetus, <laughs> which is funny, uh, and the output can be strange, beautiful, or toxic AF. <laughs> uh, OpenAI <laughs> released its. Uh, 
Text generation technology is open source late in 2019, but last year turned a significantly upgraded version called GPT-3 into a commercial service. Customers like Latitude pay to feed in strings of text and get back the system's best guess of what text should follow. The service caught the tech industry's eye after programmers who were granted early access shared impressively fluent jokes, sonnets, and code generated by the technology. OpenAI said the service would empower businesses and startups and granted Microsoft a hefty backer of OpenAI, an exclusive license to underlying algorithms. Wired and some coders and AI researchers who tried uh, the system showed it could also generate unsavory texts such as anti-Semitic comments and extremist, uh-huh. pa- and extremist propaganda. OpenAI said it would carefully vet customers to weed out bad actors and required most customers, but not Latitude, to use filters the AI provider uh, created to block profanity, hate speech, or sexual content. <laughs> you wanted to <laughs> mount that dragon. <laughs> uh, so, uh, OpenAI's technology won 100,000 players, uh, and uh, some quickly discovered and came to cherish its fluency with sexual content. Others complained the AI would bring up sexual themes unbidden, for example, when they were attempting to travel by mounting a dragon, and their uh, adventure took an unforeseen turn. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what we were talking about. Wrong mounting, man. There's just um, a bunch of things that are going wrong uh, in this open AI, but at the same time, it's um, an unbridled sense of human tracking. One, like meaning like uh, predictive behaviors and stuff like that. It'll help with gaming in the future um, uh, with it, with this AI. But at the same time, (laughs) it's a very dangerous uh, tool. If used in the wrong Here, hands, of course. Here's the thing with with AIs like this: if you're gonna have an AI and be experimented on people, you have to know that that's gonna be a double edged sword. A double edged sword. You're gonna have the good things, but you're also gonna get the very bad things. There's no doubt. You cannot have one without the other. Right. <laughs> so, um, if if somebody, yeah. So basically, if you give somebody power. Uh, basically to do whatever they want like such an ai dungeon and they can basically create whatever they want in this world they they literally will create whatever they want in this world um and i get the point that it's it's prohibiting the the content of this game can literally be whatever you want it to be but even so like I, i i know where they're coming from with the criticism and stuff like that and that the content that they don't want the game being so step so that's susceptible to and learning from and using that that data for other uh indentations for new players and stuff like that right uh, looking for that and and so like i get it you don't you, they just don't want their their baby to kind of be corrupted into this very <laughs> racist and, and sexual uh creation right yeah but I, I, I understand where the, where the criticism is coming from on that end, too. Um, it's just the idea of... Uh, but I get you mean. This is something that's up and coming. I would like to see uh, this kind of AI generation used more in not just this dungeon-esque game, but more like uh, NPCs or like side quests. Right. Like it has to start somewhere, though. You know what I mean? 
You always have to. And this this is just the if this is just the beginning, that's a good sign. Like they already they seem like they're doing pretty good. It's just you're gonna have the hiccups of uh, people literally doing what they want with with it. Right. Um, and so that brings us to the end, and we always end off with Shrek. I couldn't find anything really disturbing, but I did find the Spanish toy. I think it's Spanish. I don't know. Um, it says, oh. I cannot read these. Posable figure with moving arms, but... Figurino uh, Articulo Sebran Bugant. Oh, that, that's... Yeah, that's... Uh, uh, it has it in like three different languages along the side. It's all the same thing, but it's uh, all in different languages. It's a Shrek action figure, but I've never seen Shrek on Shrek 2. It says was... Shrek the Boxer. <laughs> I don't think that's right. It says um, Shrek. It says at the top Shrek. Shrek Boxer, boxer. Sport. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so it's just Shrek without a shirt on, and he's wearing boxers and socks. He looks like a dad, like a stepdad. <laughs> he looks like a stepdad who like heard somebody walk on his lawn at three in the morning. It's very ominous. It's it it is it is something I I found, and I I really don't know who created this, but I'm pretty sure it's not made by Has. It, it says it's made by Hasbro. It says Hasbro Where on would- the side, but Hasbro but- Mexico. I don't know. Uh-huh. This could have been a cheap knockoff sold at like a dollar store or something. Yeah. Um, but I think that's going to end it for today. Yeah, I think that's going to be the end of today's podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening, as always. Uh, check us out on Saturday. We have a very um, interesting episode. Uh, we're watching Bliss from 2021 with yeah, Owen Wilson and out, Salma Hayek. Came out about a month ago, and... Uh, you, you, it'll change your worldview. <laughs> and on that note, um, just uh, look out for our Saturday episode. Uh, All right. Uh, oh, oh. Uh, also, I'll be back home, so you're gonna hear fresh quality. Yeah, better uh, quality. Hey, uh, baby. There you go. Yeah. So, see ya. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Spitting Nonsense podcast. If you enjoyed anything we talked about and want to support or talk to us. We have included all the links you need at the Spitting Nonsense podcast on Discord. The link is posted in the description. Thanks again for listening.